Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show. I don't spend a whole lot of time with rapport building or talking a lot about my personal life up front because, well, I am not really all that good at that. I'm more of a let's just go ahead and jump straight in to the podcast episode. With that said, I will say this. I am back up for the video show. I, after I built my vocal isolation booth in order to get better quality audio, I realized that I had a problem with the lighting. Now, I haven't gotten the lighting perfect the way I want it, but I think it's good enough that it should suffice for video. So if you want to check out the video version of this show, you can go ahead, check it out on Rumble, on YouTube, on BitChute. Just look up the Jacob Johnston show. I Hopefully, I'm the only Jacob Johnston show, but you can pretty much tell by taking a look at my podcast art and then making a general reference to the icons on the video channel. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into today's episode. So Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot declares racism is a public health emergency. Really? In Chicago? Are you sure racism is your big problem in Chicago? Are, are you sure about that? Because there's a lot of problems in Chicago, and I don't think it's white supremacy racism that's going on there. I don't think that's where your public health emergency, if you were to declare a public health emergency, would be stemming from. Now, of course, we know what the deal here is. The Democrats are horrible people with failed policies promoting bad ideas. But they have realized that if they just shout racism and, hey, we need to fight racism or just blame everything on racism, they are completely forgiven for the results of their policy. They can completely destroy the black community, but as long as they say that they're fighting racism, well, then all is forgiven and everybody will vote against their best interest to keep Democrats into power because, hey, they're going to protect us from white supremacists. Really, um, if you're part of the black community in Chicago, I don't think white supremacy is what's decimating your neighborhood. I don't think it's white supremacy that's destroying your families. That would be the Democrat Party that is doing all of that. But hey, I guess if you're fine with having your community's opportunities and families destroyed, uh, in order to support Democrats under the false claim that there is uh, protection going on from white supremacists, well, I guess that is your thing. Now, when it really comes down to it, you know, white supremacy, is that really a threat in the United States, a big threat in the United States? No, no. White supremacists are all but extinct in the United States, thanks to the Republican Party having crushed those Democrat bastards. You know, because it was the Democrat Party that was behind all the white supremacist groups. They're the only ones that ever funded or were members of the white supremacist groups. And the Republican Party, back when they had a backbone, was able to crush the white supremacist movement, the Jim Crow laws and all of that. It was the Republicans that were able to destroy that. But the Democrats, they go off and they market racism, but they give it different names. For instance, in the past, Jim Crow laws was based off of the idea that races should be segregated. Now, of course, they did that on the idea that there is racial superiority. Nowadays, they, the left promotes segregation for safe spaces and equality, even giving segregated graduation ceremonies. But, of course, whenever you need a distraction because of the leftist indoctrination and brainwashing, just claim racism and everything else is ignored. Everything is forgiven. It doesn't matter how much the Democrats destroy the city. Now, one of the reasons why Maury, uh, Lori Lightfoot is going off and declaring racism as a public health emergency is because that way she has the ability to redirect funds from COVID-19 relief. Oh, yes, redirect funds. So here it is. The taxpayers of the entire country are having to pay for COVID relief. And then Lori Lightfoot in Chicago trying to, you know, distract from her horrible leadership or lack thereof and the complete destruction to the city of Chicago under her leadership, under her term as mayor, is now going to redirect those funds in one of two ways. One, oh, probably going to go towards, you know, helping to pay for reparations, you know, to try and buy off the people. Hey, we completely destroyed your community, but here's some table scraps from the government. All is forgiven, right? But in more likelihood, because there has to be at least some semblance that it's going towards an intended purpose of a public health crisis, she's just going to launder the money. I mean, there's a lot of money laundering of taxpayer funds in, well, politics 
you know, where they go off and they issue spending bills and the spending bills goes to fund certain groups and organizations who then take a lot large chunk of that money and send it back in the form of campaign donation or to send it to a political action committee designed to help support getting that politician reelected. And of course, if they can, they'll try and direct it towards the friends and families of, well, of themselves as part of it for even more kickback. So she wants to use racism that she is promoting herself as an excuse to be able to redirect funds and also as a diversion from her horrible leadership. But hey, you know what? The Democrats, eh, they don't really care. They, 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 you know, they, they don't live in reality. Now, is white supremacy a problem in the United States? Well, white supremacy is a horrible, evil, garbage ideology, and it's a good thing that, that it's virtually extinct. With that said, there's not enough white supremacists to fill a Walmart in a small town. Your chances of actually being attacked by a white supremacist is just slightly above your chances of being eaten by a T-Rex, only because white supremacists aren't completely extinct at this particular moment. They would be if it wasn't for the left keeping them afloat, trying to act like they're more powerful than what they are, or that their memberships are larger than what they are. It's really the Democrats that are keeping white supremacists afloat, but barely. Now, even though racism is the history of the Democrat Party, the Democrats are always out there trying to find a way to try and associate Republicans or anybody who is against them on any policy, then trying to associate them with white supremacy or racism and all of that. Now, part of that is the left trying to run and hide from their own past. But another part of that is because they're Marxists. And this is straight out of a Marxist playbook, you know, going ahead and trying to associate your political opponents with those words that already have a bad taste. Now, you could try and say, what makes that different than what I was doing talking about the Democrats? Well, I was talking about factual history. The Democrats are going off there trying to claim things right now. And so one of the issues that we come across is now that we know more about the coronavirus, know more about its origins, know more about how much the Democrats have lied to us, we also know more about, hey, these lockdowns, school closures were never necessary. There was no reason why the schools were, should have been closed. I mean, the data definitely doesn't support school closures. And so now there is a big push here, especially now that the pandemic is virtually over. We got vaccines, all of that to say, hey, it's time to reopen the schools and get the kids back to in-person learning. But the left, for some reason, wants to keep the schools closed. I don't understand why it is that the left is so desperate to try and keep the schools closed. Well, actually, I do. They want uneducated masses that are easily manipulable. But they're really fighting in certain areas of the country to keep the schools closed. And one of the areas that they're fighting to keep the schools closed is in Virginia. And Virginia Democrats are trying to associate parents who want the schools to be reopened for in-person learning and trying to associate them with the KKK. Seriously, they're trying to associate parents wanting their kids to go back to school and get an education with the KKK. I mean, it, racism and trying to associate your political opponents with white supremacy, that, there's no limit to it. You can do it for literally every single issue, and the Democrats do, whenever they have no arguments, whenever they have no facts, nothing to back up their position, they're able to just claim everything's racism that they disagree with. And so they're trying to make this claim based off of some type of flyer or some document that they found claiming it's from a white supremacist group, advocating that the schools be reopened and trying to say, hey, you know, if you agree with the white supremacists, you may need to rethink yourself. And here's a little audio of what that sounds like. By Luther Jackson, uh, until 1954, African-Americans could not get a public education in Fairfax County. They had to go to D.C. or out to a school in Manassas. In 1954, Luther Jackson was built to be a segregated school for African-Americans. We cannot go backwards, yes. right? You guys heard from Sujata. We know who, who was an ally of this movement. I mean, I'm not saying everybody who supports the open FP, FCBS is a member of the KKK, but when the KKK is on your side, you need to rethink <laughs> Now, there are a lot of things that are wrong with what was just said in that audio. Okay, so basically trying to say that if parents want the schools to be reopened, because they want their kids to be able to get an education and the KKK 
once the schools reopen. Therefore, if you agree or promote reopening the schools, you're a white supremacist. That is the logic that they are trying to promote there. Now, there's quite a few logical fallacies uh, with that. But let's go ahead and ask the question here if the situation was reversed, right? That, that is one of the ways that you can go through and see whether or not there's some hypocrisies there. So, for instance, hey, Democrats, if the KKK supports something that you support, does that mean you should rethink your position on a particular issue? For instance, the KKK and white supremacists, they love, support, and endorse abortion. After all, abortion was created by white supremacists, especially abortion clinics like Planned Parenthood. That was founded by white supremacists whose founding mission was to eradicate the black community from the country. Now, with that in mind, if you support abortion and the KKK supports abortion, the KKK is on your side on this issue. Shouldn't you rethink it? But of course, they have an excuse as to why that same logic of that same line doesn't apply to them. Or you could go off and you could talk about, hey, you know what? You liked Barack Obama. KKK and white supremacists endorsed Barack Obama for presidency. So if you're endorsing the same guy as the KKK at that time, shouldn't you have rethought your vote for Obama? Now, of course, those of us who are more intelligent understand that, you know, because there is, you know, situations in which the KKK will endorse or promote things, although their motivations for doing so is not the same as your motivation. You know, that there is nobody who is 100% wrong on every single issue under the sun. They may be wrong on individual issues, but even a broken clock gets something right twice a day. Now, does that mean that I believe that the KKK actually endorses reopening the school? Well, there's a lot of indications here that the flyer or the document that they are using to try and make this claim is fraudulent. But I'll get to that in just a moment. But let's go ahead and just explore this for a moment. So let's say white supremacists do support reopening schools. Would their motivation be the same as the parent? Maybe the motivation of the KKK is that they want white students to be able to get back into the education system so that they don't fall behind their peers in other countries, right? Such as China, countries south of the border. You know, they want to be able to keep the competitive edge. Or maybe they also see that in other states, schools have reopened and they see that blacks and Hispanics in those states are back to school. And the white supremacists would say, well, they're being educated. These white kids aren't. Hey, that's a problem. Reopen the school. All right, that would be their motivation. Or maybe they're not even concerned about the whole white supremacy issue. Maybe it is they just care about their own kids. Who knows? But at the same time, parents want the schools reopened because they're thinking about their kids' future. You know, they're thinking about, hey, keeping the schools closed and keeping my kids denied of an education is going to impact their future. It's going to impact their college opportunities and their careers throughout life as they will be lagging behind their peers in other states that are going back to school. And this is true across the board of all racial uh, groups, of parents of all races. you got black parents out there that want the schools to be reopened because they know that not just comparing to white students, but their black kids in comparison to other black kids whose schools have reopened, they understand that the school that those attending schools that have reopened are going to have a competitive advantage and they're concerned about their kids falling behind. So you got parents who are concerned about the education, future, and opportunities for their kids wanting the schools to be reopened. I mean, you can have Bad people advocating the right policy for the wrong reason, but the end result being that they're advocating for something that good people promoting good policies for good reason, you know, and there can be kind of a divergence between them having the same end goal, which in this particular case is reopening up the school. All right. But again, the, de- the left won't do that. They always want to make these logical leaps, but yet at the same time, when you apply the same standard to them, all of a sudden, no, 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 that's not how it works. No, 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 that, that, that's not uh, the issue here. They can come up with a million different excuses. Now, what are some of the indications that this flyer is false? Which, by the way, the Democrats are no strangers to using the idea of are engaging in hoaxes. I mean, what was it? Uh, if you go back 
several weeks or maybe over a month now. When I did uh, the episode where I played clips from uh, the John Birch Society, and they talked about how their political opponents would create fake flyers attributed to the John Birch Society or attributed to you know one group or another, where they'll even go through and try to mimic the logos and the typeface and all of that, but then put some really horrible things on there to associate you know them with something horrible is nothing new. It's been going on since at least the 1960s, if not before. And when it comes down to it, once that flyer is released, the damage is done. Could that group come out and say, no, 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 we did not create such a flyer? Sure they can. But one, at least back then, the reach was limited. But nowadays, you know, if you wanted to be able to get out there and say, no, we did not create this. Hey, this is false. One, you have to have an honest media willing to bring you on and talk about it so that you can explain, no, we did not actually create that, which the media has no interest in being honest or providing objective information in any way, shape, or form. So there is that particular issue. But even if they did bring you on or wrote it into an article, it required that in order to try and undo the damage, that all the people that saw the initial flyer also happened to see you doing the interview say, no, that wasn't actually us or read the particular article in that particular newspaper, you know, explaining, hey, this was a fake flyer. So, but we don't have that, you know, today. We don't have an honest media. So when the left goes out there and they create propaganda pieces where it's easier than ever before, because you can go online and you can get all the logos and you can make everything look like it's actual official memos or an actual flyer you know, with the same typeface, same logos and all that of a particular group, say whatever horrible thing that you want. And no matter what, even if the media tried to be honest and bring uh, that group on to say, no, we didn't actually create that, that is not what we believe, it all comes down to confirmation bias, where people will end up wanting to believe, no, 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 you know, they're just saying that because it blew up in their face. Or you know, it becomes a he said, she said situation in which confirmation bias will have them believing whatever it is they want to believe, regardless of the truth. You know, the, the left does it all the time. They even go through and create fake hate crimes against themselves, uh, such as, remember Jesse Smollett? He paid people to beat him up and then tried to blame it on racism and white supremacy. And the left has been caught vandalizing their own property, vandalizing, you know, uh, their own community. And then those who claim to be the victims of such vandalism and racist hate crimes were the ones who actually committed the acts, actually were the ones that damaged the property and engaged in all of the graffiti art and all of that. So staging fake hate crimes and going off and trying to create fake flyers in the name of somebody that you want to demonize or to try and associate people that you want to demonize with a hateful group is nothing new to the left. And it's easier than ever before. You can go online, get all the logos, get examples of the typeface, and then you can doctor up whatever you want on your own home computer. And if you have a laser printer and a color laser printer, you can print off thousands of copies dirt cheap. So there isn't any type of real trail to it. And then you can go out in the middle of the night and spread flyers all over the place or just strategically place some flyers you know, in certain locations in order to try and get the media attention. And with it all coming down to confirmation bias, the only real way to be able to call it out is by the fact that those who engage in this are really, really stupid. They don't do their homework. So they try to go off and mimic uh, the language, uh, you know, in some way, shape or form, but they don't always succeed. And then that's where we get into the issue here, where the document that they are trying to go off or the flyer or whatever that they are trying to say is produced by the KKK, when you actually examine on the language of it, there's a problem. That narrative starts to fall down. For instance, in the flyer that, that they are saying, you know, that the KKK, you know, created and trying to associate the parents with them, when it comes to referencing God, they use the name Yahweh, Yahweh. Now, maybe some of you aren't you know, into religion and haven't studied religion or differences of religion, but Yahweh is only used by the Jews, right? Is only used in the Jewish faith. Now, I'm not an expert in white supremacy. I don't know most of their ideology, but 
I kind of get this vague sense that white supremacists don't necessarily like Jews, that they're also very anti-Semitic. So why would a bunch of anti-Semitic white supremacists use the Jewish term Yahweh in order to refer to the name of God? Now, Christians did not call God Yahweh. You'll never find that ever in the Bible or in any religious text in Christianity. Now, of course, when it goes on to talk about God in Christianity, it just says the Lord. But that's a change to the Bible. There used to actually be everywhere where it has the word Lord in capital letters, all capital letters. Well, there used to be an actual name there, and that name was Jehovah. Now you know where Jehovah Witnesses come from, right? Because if you go back to Bibles that were printed just as early as 125 years ago, it would say Jehovah everywhere it has the word Lord in capital letters. And so if this was produced by white supremacists trying to claim faith here, unless we have Jewish white supremacists, I, I guess that could always be a particular, um, a particular possibility, although that would be pretty strange because they're advocating for an ideology that would involve eradicating themselves. That would be insane. But in any event, so it is interesting that instead of using the word Jehovah in order to reference a name associated with God in the Christian Bible or in Christian history, they used Yahweh specifically and only used by the Jews, you know, in the Torah, I believe, or in the other texts. So, you know, it, it kind of gives uh, the impression that whoever created this didn't really have an idea of what they were talking about or an understanding of who it is they were trying to set up and frame, and therefore they kind of made some language mistakes as they were going through and trying to create and develop this. But hey, you know, there are supporters, you know, and on the left, they don't know any different. They're idiots. They don't know uh, the history of anything. They don't understand uh, the difference uh, in the words used, uh, whether it be Yahweh or Jehovah, if you're going to use an actual name for God. I mean, it plays perfectly to their base, and it plays perfectly for news coverage to the uneducated masses who don't understand. But that's what the Democrats do. They always play to the uneducated masses for their manipulation. And like I said, anybody can create these flyers at home. But yet, they're advancing a belief or a claim that if applied in reverse to the Democrats, the Democrats go, no, 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 this logic only goes one way from, you know, to uh, demonize Democrats. If, you know, white supremacists and KKK agrees with Democrat ideology, well, then our own logic and everything does not apply. So, yeah, I mean, you could also go off and easily, you know, create a flyer that white supremacist group are claiming it to be a white supremacist group. You can make the case that, hey, you know what? White supremacists kind of support critical race theory. I, I don't know how to break it to you, leftists. But a school curriculum that teaches that if you're white, you have privilege in society, and if you're black, um, you should be expected to be oppressed to the point where you shouldn't even bother trying to succeed, kind of plays in to the white supremacist narrative, kind of plays into their ideology and what it is they want to promote in their whole racist ideology. I'm just saying, you know, I I I'm just saying. So there is a case for that. Or, hey, how about this? Did you know white supremacists actually supported Barack Obama for presidency? Now, of course, they had their own reason. They supported Barack Obama because they believed he would bring about a race war. Should we then associate or make the statement that, hey, you know, if you're voting for the same guy supported by the white supremacists, and back then it was Barack Obama, then maybe you should rethink who you're going to vote for, in which case that would have been John McCain. That people would have voted for. You see, you know, we can play this game until we're blue in the face. But of course, like good little Marxists, they always have double standards. They always want to apply standards to their opponents that they refuse to accept for themselves or anything, you know, whatsoever. You know, it, it's all double standards. You know, they can do whatever they want. They can violate the law. They have no constitutional restrictions, but their political opponents do. You know, it, it is just unbelievable. Now, while we're going off and talking about how the left wants to be able to keep the schools closed, which will undoubtedly hurt 
minority kid and hurt them severely. There are teachers in other parts of the country who are going off, and they are protesting laws that would stop them from talking about critical race theory. Oh, yes. Again, have they possibly considered that the KKK may really like political race theory? Yeah. But the Democrats, they want to go off and they make a whole bunch of lies about what critical race theory is. That is, when they attempt to even try to explain it. But let's face it, critical race theory is based wholeheartedly on a lie. It's a lie that the country was systemically racism, a lie that slavery was rampant across the entire country. You know, it's based off a lot of omissions of key historical facts. Now, slavery, yes, very, very horrible. But first off, America did not invent slavery. In fact, it started under British rule, you know, and, you know, 1776, the revolution was kind of a rejection of British rule. All right. So there is that. Uh, Slavery had actually been going on for thousands of years and slavery of, you know, out of Africa was going on for well over 100 years, possibly 200 years before the establishment of the United States. Just, uh, you know, something to think about there. And uh, let's see here. Slavery was basically a practice of the one percenters, maybe the five, you know, only the very, very rich. I mean, these are people who today would be the liberal elites and the Hollywood types. They were the only ones actually engaged or mostly um, engaged in slavery as the average person couldn't even afford it. You know, so it wasn't that rampant. And in over half the country, slavery was outlawed. So you're trying to say that the entire country is systemically racist because of a practice of the 1% located in a geographical area of less than half the country. Hmm. So slavery, yes, horrible, but over half the country outlawed slavery, but yet you're trying to blame the entire country because the minority part of the country did something. I mean, can you imagine blaming an entire country for the actions of less than 50% of the country? And the fact that we fought an entire civil war to finally stop. And we gave up on debate. We tried to debate them. We tried to go through legal means. We tried to convince them. We tried every nonviolent solution possible to end slavery before it became abundantly clear that the Civil War was the only way to do it. And by the way, the left always uh, omits which party was defending slavery. You know, but so critical race theory is based off of the idea of systemic racism, although they can't really define systemic racism as well. And how the laws and institutions are systemically racist. They can't point to anything. But that's also part of the point of critical race theory. You know, it's basically to claim that everything is the result of it. They can't name any specific issue, any specific policies. They can't name anything specific because there isn't. But they just try to claim, oh, it's a combination or accumulation of and the totality of or if there is just any unequal outcome, which is all bogus. There's unequal outcomes of everybody. You know, there are unequal outcomes in, uh, among different white people, unequal outcomes in black people, unequal outcomes within the Asian community. Why? Because talent and work ethic and having the intelligence to be able to recognize opportunities that match your talent and timing matter. I mean, you could have a lot of great ideas. You could have a lot of good talent, but if your timing sucks, well, you're going to be screwed. Someone can beat you to the punch, or maybe you try to come up with it before the technology quite existed. You know, there's a whole lot of reasons. Or maybe what it is you're most passionate about is what you have the least talent in. You know, there is no equal outcome for everybody. And that's not the point. It's just the equal opportunity to pursue your passion that the United States is based on. The outcome is based off of you. You know, and let's take an example of this. Okay, about unequal outcome. So cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, huge success. It's run by some very intelligent and very talented people who was able to build a network of computers to help do the mining and verify the transactions. And can anyone deny the success of Bitcoin? But there's a lot of other cryptocurrencies that are out there, right? But they're not doing as well. Why is Bitcoin at, say, you know, what is it, $30,000, $40,000 a coin right now in digital currency? 
and yet Dogecoin is at 33 cents. They're both cryptocurrencies. They're both based off of the same blockchain principles. I mean, I understand that there's a couple of different types of blockchains, but you kind of get my general point. Why is one highly successful and the other isn't? Could it be timing? Could it be the timing of the release being first to the punch and becoming the gold standard at player result? Even if they are the same, same talent, same abilities, same, you know, um, same quality, one is better than the other. And from what I can tell, only because of which one got out there first. You know, so timing does play a matter. I mean, any idea, no matter how great it is, unlaunched will produce zero results. But the left, they, they want to ignore all of that. They want to ignore all personal responsibility, thought process, talent, and basically, in some cases, what comes down to just timing or you know intuition into knowing what to do and when to do it. They want to ignore all of that and just say any unequal outcome must be due to racism, you know, as if everybody should have the same equal outcome. Everybody should make the same amount of money, have the same amount of you know, savings and have same outcomes, regardless of personal decision making, regardless of where their talents actually are. I mean, some people here, and let me give you a point here about talent here. Some people, their talent is something that is very marketable, makes a lot of money. Like, let's say, basketball players. Other people, they have a talent, really talented, but their talent's in something that doesn't quite attract the same marketing, the, the same, well, the same value in society. And so while they're equally talented at their thing as the other, as let's say a basketball player or whatever it is, they're going to have different incomes because of the different values associated with what it is they have their talents in. There isn't equal outcomes and the country has never promised equal outcomes. We promise equality under the law. Everyone's going to be treated the same under the law. We promise everybody that they have the same opportunities to start whatever business or you know whatever passion that they have, but we never promise equal results. In fact, trying to say equal results creates inequality because then you can have people going after something, being very lazy about it, putting like no, next to no effort or productivity into it, and you expect them to have the same results as the person busting their butt every single day and producing results. This whole equity and equal outcome doesn't make sense because people aren't putting in equal efforts and people are not going in to the same field. So critical race theory is based off of a lie. Critical race theory is based off of omitting key fact about our history. Critical race theory is it's just purposely designed to be manipulative, misleading, and undefined in order to manipulate the masses so that you can make whatever claim that you want without having to provide any evidence whatsoever to it. And that is just par for the course for the Democrats. They lie about everything. They claim that they promote inclusivity, and yet they really encourage and promote division. They try to talk about you know, wanting to speak the truth about history, and then they admit the key fact. They claim to be about science and tolerance, and yet they are anti-science and intolerant towards anybody who has any opinion differing from the left or from that particular leftist. I mean, not even the left can keep up with each other. So you understand here where I'm coming from. The, what the left says and what they do are completely different. So the left wants to go off and say, we need to talk about critical race theory in order to you know, have an understanding. In fact, Go ahead and listen to this clip. Well, I think we should get beyond race. I know I'm spitting in the wind when I say that. I know no one wants to hear it. I think the right story here is that it's the American story. We're all in this thing together. I know that's very easy to say. I think Martin Luther King got it right in 1963. I think that the racialization of this discussion of crime and violence and policing, of poverty and wealth and whatnot, is bad for America. I think talk about reparations, whatever the moral argument might be, is disastrous for the future of this country. Black people should not be trying to cut a separate deal with America. Let's make the country a good country for everybody, and we'll be on the right track. Take on that, Leah. 
Well, I think Glenn is right in citing Martin Luther King Jr., but I'm going to cite him in 1967, where he said, where do we go from here? Chaos or community? And I think one of the things that he pointed out is that we are going to have to get to the root of understanding inequality, and we're going to have to get to the root of understanding racism by actually studying the past and doing an honest and objective job of studying the past. And that means understanding both the national sins, but also understanding the uh, the great parts of America and how those things come together, how they haven't benefited everyone in our society and in our country. And in fact, by studying race, racism, inequality, understanding institutions, systems, right, all of those things, we actually aren't just making America a better place for African Americans, although certainly, right, that is the narrative I think people want us to understand or want us to think that is the, the compelling narrative. But instead, we're making America a better place for everyone. Now, I know I didn't set up that clip uh, the best way, but this was on ABC and they were asking two people, they just happened to both be black, about the initiation of Juneteenth as a federal holiday. And they both had their own uh, particular views about it, of course. And you were able to go through and see that view where one person would say, we need to get beyond race and we need to you know, just start having conversations where we start just treating everybody like everybody, which is the gist of that. And the other person trying to go off and talk about, oh, we need to be about truth in history. We need to go off and we need to make sure that people understand this. And of course, the left wing view is based off of a complete lie. They're just trying to sow division and keep everybody against each other. So no one actually takes a look at what they are doing in power you know, what they are doing in D.C. with the legislative authority or what Biden is actually doing or what's going on in their state legislature because they're trying to keep us divided amongst uh, ourselves. Now, other countries, they've engaged in this type of behavior before, but they didn't use race. They used class. They always went off with class warfare because they didn't have much racial diversity. They don't have a whole lot of racial diversity in China. They didn't have a whole lot of racial diversity in the Soviet Union. And so they wouldn't be able to use race. Now, the Democrats, they've tried doing class warfare, and that didn't work very well because rich people are going broke, and broke people get rich all the time. There's always this mobility, so it it never really worked. And then they tried the whole environment uh, issue, and they're still trying the environment issue, but it's not gaining much track because people, at least on the right, are able to counter a lot of their narratives with actual facts. Right? So that doesn't work. So they go to the racial issue because we are a racially diverse country as their way of being able to divide and conquer and institute their Marxist authoritarian ideology and try and gain support as well as the whole you know, natural political party us versus them type of attitude. But what the Democrats say they're about and then what they do are two completely different things. Okay, um, real quickly here. From Red State, Joe Biden just did what Democrats impeach Donald Trump for. So if you remember in the first impeachment hearing, it was based off of the whole or ordeal about uh, Trump having cut off funding, security funding to Ukraine. Now, of course, Trump had his reasons and motivations and, you know, they were legitimate, legitimate uses. But the Democrats, they try to build up this false narrative that he was trying to use it and a quid pro quo, which is also kind of interesting because Joe Biden actually admitted to quid pro quo with Ukraine. Only Joe Biden's quid pro quo was for an illegal activity. Drop the investigation or you're not going to get any funding. Drop the investigation into the company his son sat on the board of who only got the job in order to get protection or to try and get the prosecutor fired under pressure from the United States. But none of that mattered to the left. It didn't matter that their whole claim is based off of the criminal activities that the left engages in, but their narrative was just completely false to begin with. Well, now here it is, Joe Biden, who has engaged in quid pro quos while in office as the vice president, is back. And now Joe Biden has cut off aid to Ukraine. And the Democrats are like, oh, no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Never mind, we tried uh, impeaching the previous president for doing the exact same thing. But, you know, when a Democrat's in office, they have more power as president than a Republican president. When a Democrat's in office, they can do anything and there's no problem. But if a Republican does the exact same thing, 
then it's you know a problem and it's somehow illegal and an impeachable offense. <sighs> so sickening. You know, the if they didn't have double standards, they'd have no standards at all. All right, so moving on here. So from the Epic Times, Smith and Wesson CEO says ammo shortage won't end soon. Still a lot of interest. So as you know, there has been a bit of an ammo shortage as people are buying up guns and ammo at record pace. I mean, people are, we are setting new records for gun and ammo sales on almost a monthly basis now. Now, there are some reasons uh, for that uh, that we'll get to in just a moment. But the CEO of one of the largest U.S. gun manufacturers, according to the piece, Smith & Wesson, said that the current ammunition shortage is showing no signs of improving amid reports of Americans continue to purchase record amounts of firearms. President Joe Biden, you know, according to the article, I don't call him president, uh, and his administration has placed emphasis on new gun control measures coming in the wake of several high-profile mass shootings. Mm, yeah, mass shootings like in Chicago, where the mass shootings are actually gangs with illegal guns, and, and never mind. Uh, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, the ATF, earlier this month processed new rules that would deem illegal uh, most firearms that would have a stabilizing pistol brace, move that pro-Second Amendment groups have called unconstitutional and cumbersome. Yes, they can never explain where they get the authority to create new rules and new regulations without any vote, approval, or passage of Congress. You ever notice that? You ever notice that? But they don't seem to understand that their engagement in such behavior is part of the cause of what's driving up gun sales. So what is driving up gun sales so much? Well, it, it's leftist policy. It's leftist behavior. But if you want to get more specific, you know, the massive increase in gun sales started at around uh, the beginning of the COVID-19 lockdowns and the left trying to use COVID-19 as an excuse to release violent criminals from prison. And then while they were releasing violent criminals from prison, they were coming out there and saying, oh, by the way, uh, the police are too busy as a result of the pandemic and all that. So while we're releasing these criminals, there's also not going to be any police around to protect you from the criminals that we're releasing into your community. And so people realize that it's up to them to defend themselves. And that's where the massive increases in gun sales started. Criminals being released and then people being told that there won't be any police around to protect them from the criminals. And then we saw what happened with, you know, George Floyd, you know, the lies that the left told about George Floyd being murdered when he died of a drug overdose and going around and people seeing that Black Lives Matter and Antifa are going around engaging in uh, domestic terrorism, burning down entire communities, attacking uh, people based off of skin color and the left-wing mayors going off and telling the police to stand down. These people have a free reign to basically destroy and burn down entire communities and just attack people at random for no reason or on the basis of skin color. And people were looking at that. Not only are criminals being released, but there is a massive uptick in left-wing domestic terrorism, and there's no police protection. So that was really where the start of it and the massive increases in gun sales and ammo really got its start from. But then it has continued ever since the um, 2020 election, you know, ever since the results of that, because people saw um, what happened in the election, and then they've seen how tyrannical and out of control the left has become. And they realize that, hey, you know what? The actual reason why we have a Second Amendment is to, so that we would have the ability to rise up and defend ourselves from our own government should it become overrun and overthrown by tyrants. That was the whole reason. That's why the left really wants to go through and attack the Second Amendment and attack gun rights. Just like every tyrant, they've always tried to disarm the public before they get to the worst of the worst of what it is they're going to do. I mean, if the population is disarmed, well, then the government overthrows the Constitution, overthrows democracy. What are you going to do about it? You have nothing that you can do about it. But the left has a problem that in uh, the United States that isn't uh, a problem for authoritarians around the world. And that is the Constitution specifically says we have the right to keep and bear arms and that right shall not be infringed. Although the left tries to find ways to encroach and infringe and 
try to find ways to violate our constitutional rights. But then we also see everything else uh, that the left is doing, the attempt to take over uh, elections unconstitutionally in order to be able to rig the elections going forward. And so people are seeing what the left is doing, what it is uh, that they are up to, the promotion of socialism, the promotion of big government operating in violation of the Constitution, the non-stop attacks on our constitutional rights. And we're seeing everything that every tyrant has done in the process of overthrowing a democracy. And it has people scared. And so people realizing, you know, that, hey, you know, we have the Second Amendment for this very reason is people are stocking up because they feel what is coming. They're afraid of what the Democrats are going to try and do while in power and what the Democrats already are doing while in power. And so they're gearing up because they see that the left is pretty much on track to try and make their big power move to try and overthrow our democracy completely. And so people are gearing up, getting ready for, you know, with all this tension building up for the possibility of another civil war. And they want to make sure that they have the sufficient supply of guns and ammo in order to defeat the tyrants, to defeat the Marxist communists, and be able to um, defend freedom. That's what's going on here. That There is no big mystery. You ever notice whenever the Democrats are in power and going drunk with power, violating the Constitution, the laws, and our rights, gun sales start skyrocketing. And yet, people try to come out with polls. The majority of the country agrees with the Democrats. Yeah, that's why we're all stocking up on guns and ammo, afraid of what the Democrats are going to do. Yeah. Meanwhile, we also see here in Los Angeles, you know, um, with the nonstop attack on the police, you know, I can't imagine why attacking the police and favoring criminals would also have a contribution to rising gun sales. I mean, it, it, it's a big mystery to me, but in the continued attacks on the police, uh, the Los Angeles district attorney, and I can't pronounce that name, picks Black Lives Matter activists and ACLU staffers, which ACLU is a fraudulent organization, for a panel to re-examine fatal police shootings. Oh, yes. Nothing like hiring people that are actively calling for defund the police, eliminating the police. Nothing like taking a group of people that can look at a video of a criminal shooting at police officers, and then when the police officers return fire and the criminal dies, that the, police, that the activists will come out there and say, well, this was a racist shooting. This was police brutality. This was the police hunting down black people, even though there's actual video of the person shooting at the police and then taking those people, those deranged activists, and then putting them on a review board to re-examine police shootings to try and determine, should the police be charged? They don't care about the situation. They don't care about the facts, data, evidence. They don't care what the videos show. They don't care about any of that. They're going in there with a predetermined result. If a police officer, you know, shot a person of color for any reason, including that person of color actively shooting at the police officer, well, the police officer was unjustified. Don't you know the police officer is supposed to lay down their lives and allow criminals to kill them? That's part of their job. And that wanting to go home alive to their family is criminal, right? I mean, this is unbelievable. Black Lives Matter, a Marxist domestic terrorist group trying to defund uh, the police so that the police can't stop them from their criminal activities, and then putting them on a review board? This is insane. And it's also part of the reason why people are out there stocking up on guns and ammo because they know what the left is trying to do. All right, last thing here. You know how Biden, one of his first things he did once he was installed into the White House, was to go off and try to shut down energy independence for the United States, shut down Keystone Pipeline, sh try and shut down other pipelines and such. And then, of course, there's been the cyber attacks because everyone knows it's open season on the United States so long as Biden's in office. So Biden has gone off and cut us off from our ability to fully achieve energy independence so we're not reliant on other countries. Meanwhile, he also approved our lift sanctions off of pipelines that benefit our adversaries, such as Russia. 
And so I guess it's no surprise now, as is being reported by the Epic, by the Epic Times, that the U.S. is now reliant on Russian oil, or that our reliance on oil from Russia surges in the Biden administration, while Biden cut, shuts down our pipelines and gets Russian pipelines the go-ahead to get completed, remove sanctions. I mean, could you imagine if Trump had done this, decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to engage in a policy that hurts the United States, benefits Russia, and then further benefits Russia by making us more dependent upon Russia for our energy need. The left would have gone insane, especially with their bogus Trump-Russia collusion narrative, or that Russia actually did anything that had any impact on the election. The left would have been insane. And yet, here we are, Biden. Biden decimates our energy independence and puts and makes us reliant on foreign sources of oil, especially Russia. And by the way, I mean, is there something about Russian oil that's less polluting, less damaging than oil from within the United States? I mean, they try to use climate change as the excuse, but then they just approve pipelines for other countries or lift sanctions from other countries completing pipelines as if their pipeline and their oil is less damaging or contributing to climate change than our oil. See, just like racism, the climate change claims can be used to justify any action, any behavior, or as an excuse for any failed policy. Unbelievable. Completely sickening and disgusting. All right, so that's it uh, for this episode. I'd like to thank you so much for listening in. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, if you're listening for the first time, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Don't miss another episode. Leave me a rating and review. Share this around on social media, and I will be back again soon.